Reformation Radio. Reformation Radio. Tonight on Sinners and Saints, we begin our series on evaluating the doctrine of the various denominations in the Christian Church. Let me tell you why we're doing it. First, some of you listen to White Horse Sin, you listen to R.C. Sproul, you listen to Sinners and Saints, you love it, you're reading Reformed Theology, but you're sitting in your church and you're thinking, boy, if I leave here, who is going to bring the truths of the Reformation to this church? I've got to reform this place. I want to share with others what I'm learning. We're here to tell you that that won't work. The only people it's going to help are the people who are doing the false teaching in the first place. It's going to continue to give the culture the idea that the kind of teaching you're sitting under is true Christianity. And the other reason we're doing this show is because we're sickened, as you are, by all the divisions in the visible body of Christ. Christ doesn't want it like this, that there's all these denominations, and the reason they exist is because people have divided themselves based on doctrines that are contrary to the basic teachings of the Bible that were believed by the historic Protestant church. So come and listen in this series for your denomination's beliefs, on Sinners and Saints. In an age of moral bankruptcy, theological confusion, and aimless religion, we're addressing the need for a Bible-based, intellectual 21st century Christian faith. This is Sinners and Saints. Theology with an edge. We thank you for joining us tonight on Sinners and Saints. I'm Adam Kalustian. I'm here with John Sautel and Moses Jambazian. We're the co-hosts and we're pastors at local United Reformed Churches. And the racket you hear in the background is construction going on all around us. If you want an explanation of that, you're going to have to go to sinnersaint.org and email us and we'll explain that to you, sinnersaint.org. By the way, if you have already logged on to the website, sinnersaint.org, and you have emailed us or you have tried to contact us, because the site is new, likely we have dumped it. So please do email us again. We'd like to hear from you. Okay, our first show in this series is going to talk about the Nazarenes. Now, we want to explain to you something as we enter this series. As we are evaluating different uh, groups, uh, Christian groups, Christian churches, we're not saying that... There are no Christians in these churches. I want you to understand that very clearly. Uh, God's people are found in all kinds of different groups. But what we are evaluating is the doctrine or the teaching of these groups which has set them apart from the historic Protestant church. We're trying to get you to understand that it's not okay for groups to exist and to have their distinctives which are wrong. And so that you will come out of those groups and identify yourself with the historic Protestant church and stand on the basic teachings of God's word so that we may have the kind of unity in the Christian church that Christ wants us to have. So we're starting with the Nazarenes. Maybe we should hear a little bit about the history well, of where they came from. But before we get into that, please, we're trying to make some disclaimers here at the outset because I know what some of you are already thinking. As you hear the tone of the show, you're saying, there they go again, being critical and cynical, and they're just not being charitable. 
No, what we have to do is because we're commanded to defend the truth, we have to also expose error at the same time. It's not just enough to say, this is what's right, this is what the Bible teaches, this is what is uh, true according to how Protestants have historically understood the Word of God and what kind of doctrines they've held and defended. We, we also have to refute what is false, and this is false theology, what you're going to hear tonight. It's, it's offensive to God. It takes him off the throne. It exalts man and his will and his own sinful thoughts. And so we have to refute this tonight. It's done, take it in the spirit of love. Even if it may sound cynical and critical, it's done with the purpose of exposing falsehood so that you can come to a knowledge of the truth. What we first need to do is remind everybody that we live in a period of time in history and that what we see today isn't what always was. Now, what we have to understand is that there is a Nazarene church today, but prior to 1907, there wasn't a Nazarene church. So you don't need to say, well, you guys are being critical. This is the way the church has always been. No, it hasn't. The Nazarene church was an amalgamation. It was a group, three groups that came together out of the Wesleyan holiness movement. This is a group of people that thought that they could actually become perfect and holy in this life. And they emerged from several of the denominations, came together, and now they have a denomination that you probably see some of you may belong to. But understand, they have this denomination because of particular theological distinctives. That means they looked at the Christian church that existed, and they said, we don't fit in with any of these churches. We believe things differently, and therefore, we will rupture the visible unity of the church and separate ourselves out, create a new denomination. We're so your duty, your duty is to then identify what those divisions were based on and then figure out which ones are biblical. Were they right, and so I should be identified with them, or were they wrong, in which case I should not be identified with them, and by doing so, promoting division in the church. And if, they, and if you find that they are wrong, as you weigh them according to the scriptures, don't be so stubborn as to say, well, I've been in this church my whole life, and now I can't leave, because that means everything that I've been believing and doing for the last 20 or 30 years is wrong. Well, I'll tell you what, it might just be wrong. But your standard is not what you've been doing. It's not your historical practice or the historical practice of this particular congregation or church that you're a part of. Your standard is God's word. And you have to evaluate based upon that principle and not emotional or, or other some, some kind of subjective criteria. See, and I think probably you recognize you know, instinctively as a Christian that it's wrong for churches to be divided, that denominations in an ideal sense would not exist you know, sure, there are cultural reasons. Sure, there are some practical reasons why we have to work in various groups. But you know that it's not right for the body of Christ to be divided over different kinds of teachings. So if you're going to be a Christian identified with the Nazarene church, you have to therefore say it's worth it to have this extra name and to have this extra division. So now what we're going to do is we're going to look at what the Nazarenes teach that is distinctive, that makes them unique and separated from other churches. And we're telling you, if you belong to the Nazarene Church, you had better subscribe to this and believe it and not be divisive, not be Calvinistic in your thinking, and then undermine your elders. If you believe what we are teaching on this show and also White Horse Inn or what Dr. Sproul teaches, you need to find yourself an Orthodox Reformed Church. You have to go to where the Word of God is rightly preached. And so tonight, hear us out. Hear what you have to subscribe to as a Nazarene. And if that's not you, you need to leave. When we come back, we're going to give you the main distinctive of the whole Wesleyan tradition, the whole Wesleyan holiness tradition, and the Nazarenes in particular, and that is the doctrine of entire sanctification. Come back, we'll tell you what that is in a couple minutes.
You're listening to Sinners and Saints on 99.5 FM, KKLA. Hi, this is Reverend John Sautel, pastor of Congregational Life and Outreach at First United Reformed Church of Chino. We are a Protestant, Bible-based, family-oriented church committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are located just off the 60 Freeway at Mountain Avenue in Chino. We worship at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. every Sunday. If you'd like more information about our church, give us a call at 866-99-UNITED. That's 866-99-UNITED. Are you looking for a church that values the Word of God and the rediscovery of its riches in the Protestant Reformation? Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Kalustian. I want to invite you to join us at the Ontario United Reformed Church. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. Take the Euclid Avenue exit off the 60 freeway, go north one block to Philadelphia Street, turn right, and you'll see us. That's the Ontario United Reformed Church, 866-99-UNITED. Welcome you back tonight, Sinners and Saints. We're talking about the Nazarenes and why the Nazarenes exist, because they've divided themselves from the Christian church based on their biblical conviction that the doctrine of entire sanctification is unique, a unique and crucial doctrine in the lives of Christians. First of all, the Nazarenes are a reformation of a reformation of a reformation. Wesley tried to reform the reformed churches, the Protestant churches, and then the Nazarenes are a reformation of that reformation, saying that people who became Wesleyans, Methodists, wound up abandoning Wesley's doctrine of sanctification. So they wound up forming up what's called the holiness movements, and out of that emerged the Nazarene church along with the Pentecostal churches. What was distinct was the Nazarene said, we don't think you have to speak in tongues, whereas the Pentecostals did. But the Nazarenes did say, as a Christian, you will become perfect. In this life, you are going to achieve sanctification and perfection. But of course, if they're honest with themselves, sometimes they're not, but if they're honest, they have to recognize that no one they know is perfect. So what they do is they dumb down, they define downwards what it means to be holy and perfect according to scripture, but as a consequence, they cheapen the law of God, they cheapen God's holiness, and quite frankly, they put themselves in such a horrible position that they are unable to do it and they are miserable. Let me read to you from their doctrinal statement what entire sanctification is, in case you're wondering. It says that we believe that entire sanctification is that act of God subsequent to regeneration, so that's after you're saved, by which believers are made free from original sin or depravity and brought into a state, listen, of entire devotement to God and the holy obedience of love made perfect. So what they are saying is that the Bible teaches that God, after he saves you, also has a second act of the Holy Spirit where he brings you into a a state of entire devotion to him and a holy obedience of love made perfect in this life. That's the doctrine of entire sanctification. Well, what surprises me is how many affinities this has with Roman Catholicism. Nazarenes will teach you that it's the result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that you're made free from the pollution of original sin, but that's just Catholicism in different language, really, because Catholicism teaches that baptism, the water baptism as an infant, or if you receive it at conversion as an adult, is what washes away that original sin. Here the Nazarenes have just simply plugged in their own peculiar theology, but with the same concepts. This is not distinctly Protestant. This is even close to Protestant. They're also having a problem in terms of they recognize that they're not achieving perfection. They see even in themselves some sin. So what they do is they define it so that it's merely that they have perfect love. Their motives are good, though their actions and their thoughts may not be. 
But of course, that's not what Scripture teaches. In actually the letter to Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul defines it as, May the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, and may your spirit and soul and body be presented perfect, without failure, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see the, the difference here between the biblical doctrine of perfection and what the Nazarenes are saying about what perfection is. Paul understands perfection as perfection, meaning there's no flaw in it. Every part of you entirely blameless and perfect and holy. Whereas the Nazarenes say, no, perfection you can have in this life, even if it has some failures. But this is where the this is where the whole doctrine breaks down because, or at least this is the reason why they're even able to shoot for this, is because they completely have redefined sin. Here is what the Nazarenes teach about sin. They say, we believe that actual or personal sin is a voluntary violation of a known law of God by a morally responsible person. Now, that is far from a biblical definition of sin because a biblical definition of sin is not just that it's voluntary or conscious. You can be sinning whether you even know it or not. Remember what David says? He prays that God would cleanse him from his hidden sins. It's not the ones that he was suppressing in his life or that he didn't want anybody to know about. Those were the sins that he was completely ignorant of or unaware of. And he says those are sins. And now you also run into the next problem, which is that if you're in this situation where everybody is claiming to have sinless perfection of some sort, whether it's called perfect love or whatever, now you cannot admit your sinfulness. You cannot actually deal with your flaws. And so within the Nazarene tradition, you have a very large pharisaical attitude because they are having to hide and suppress from others the knowledge of what they have of themselves. And so as a consequence, you're constantly having to live a lie. Yeah, and it plays out practically. I mean, this is why it's so obnoxious and annoying to be around people who are part of this holiness movement. Because you know it's a fake front. You know it's people that always give the impression that they all have it together because they really believe that they have to have had this uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. They have to have achieved this. And meanwhile, you just wonder, do I ever fit into that mold? And if you're honest with yourself, you know you don't. And that just gives you the impression that you are a second-class Christian. In fact, you will be tempted to fool yourself into thinking that you actually do have this kind of sanctification. But there's no such thing as this kind of sanctification in this life. We have a problem that comes up again and again, and you see it here. Because you can no longer deal honestly with yourself and because you know that you have to hide who you are, now you have to divert attention away. So no longer are you working on and dealing with your own sinfulness. Now you're having to try to reform the rest of the world in order to take attention away from yourself, in order to distract people's attention. So you have an incredibly long list that the Nazarene Church says you must be working on in the state in order to advance your holiness. And so that list is really funny because whereas we deal with the issues that Scripture speaks of, pride and lust, greed and envy, hate and malice, they speak of dealing with advertising for tobacco. They speak of dealing with what the federal government should be regulating and outlawing. Where in Scripture do you see that? You don't. But there's a pastoral side where this doctrine becomes very uncomfortable and very difficult for saints, really, who are living in the flesh. They're still simultaneously justified and sinner, and yet they have to run around their whole life with this goal of getting entirely sanctified in mind, and yet they know as they look at their own life, they're nowhere near it. But not only is that hanging over their head all the time, but also the additional factor that they know that at any point, if they don't cultivate this, uh, this pursuit of entire sanctification, they can entirely lose it and fall away from God's favor and grace and outside of the kingdom uh, tomorrow if they don't continue to strive after this perfection of character. And that's, 
a nightmare. That's worse than a nightmare. That's a living hell. God promises us you will have everlasting life. The Nazarenes promise you you will have probationary life, which you can lose. Yeah, now some of you might be thinking, oh, this is overly technical. You know, this is too uh, detailed. Look, we all kind of agree on the essentials. Let's not focus on this. But that kind of thinking is what I would expect from an unbeliever. An unbeliever who says, look, all the Bible people believe the same thing. But if you're a Christian and you believe that the Scripture is the revealed Word of God and your duty as a Christian is to live day by day in light of His Word and to be right about how He has revealed Himself, you may not take things like this lightly. You must see the importance of understanding yourself and your holiness of life, which is important and crucial to God, in a right biblical way. When we come back, we'll wrap up our show on the Nazarenes in a couple of moments. Reformation Radio. Theology with an edge. Come to worship God at the Pasadena United Reformed Church. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Hear the gospel faithfully preached. Rejoice in the God of your salvation. Come and join us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. We are located at 226 West Colorado in Arcadia off the Santa Anita exit of the 210 freeway. Call us at 866-99-UNITED or visit us at urcsocal.org. Hi, this is Pastor Bureau of Grace Evangelical Church in Torrance. We are a new Reformed Church serving all of South Bay. As a member of the United Reformed Churches of North America, Grace Evangelical Church emphasizes the preaching of the gospel, weekly administration of the Lord's Supper, catechism of our children, and emphasis on the singing of the psalms, all in a family-friendly atmosphere. Come, worship with us. You can reach us at area code 310-782-7019. We welcome you back to Sinners and Saints. We're talking about the Nazarenes tonight. By the way, you can find us on the web at sinnersaint.org. Sinnersaint.org. You can email us questions. You can give us suggestions for topics for the show. You can interact with us. We hope you'll get in touch with us. Sinnersaint.org. Or call us at 866-99-UNITED. Back to the Nazarenes. Well, for those of you who decide to stay with the Nazarene Church because you're going to be missionaries there, well, here are the things that you have to do. Number one, you have to follow the scriptural command that you must submit to your elders. So here is what the elders, the rulers of the Nazarene Church, have said. If you are in any way interested in using alcohol, you must stop. Not only must you stop, you've got to tell everybody else to stop. And that's not enough. You have to politically campaign for it to stop, and you have to make sure that it gets desocialized. You want to be faithful, Nazarene? No one anywhere can even think of having a drop of alcohol, and that means you. You see, the Nazarenes forbid the use of hard liquor as a beverage, which would lead me to believe, I guess, then we can use it for... I guess I could put it in my IV when I'm in the hospital, or, right? If we could yeah, ingest or, it that way. Or a Jose Cuervo pill. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we got to be careful with here, is they're saying that you have to desocialize it. Uh, you basically have to take away this thing. So now they're telling you not only are you to seek to live before God faithfully, you have to now enforce it on others, even those who are unbelievers. Let me, uh, so you know we're not making this up, let me read to you a phrase from uh, their discussion of, say, tobacco use. The Church of the Nazarene urges its people to continue to speak out against the use of tobacco, both as a health hazard and as a, get this, a social evil. Our historic stand is based on God's word where we are admonished to maintain our bodies as temples 
of the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, that passage is speaking about what? Sexual immorality. But it's just accepted, right, that, well, that must mean that we may not use any alcohol, we may never use tobacco. Not only may we not use it, but we must fight the social evil that promotes the use of those things. You know, I get so tired of that verse being wrenched out of its context and Pharisees using it to enforce their own private commitments to what they think holiness is. You're right. The passage has nothing to do, first of all, with smoking or drinking. But what gets me in these passages is they'll go on to say, of course, uh, we know that this is grounded in strong medical evidence. So now it's not just that this is morally superior, but it's also better because it's medically consistent. Well, let's use that same logic. Why don't you have a statement on obesity? How many times do you see churches like this condemning people for being fat and indulging themselves uh, too much when they go to the local hometown buffet? I don't understand why this is so inconsistent. If you're going to condemn one form of an activity which is medically destructive and harmful, we know that one of the leading causes of health problems in America is obesity. Why don't you tackle that? That's socially relevant. Also, you also now have to go through and say, well, this also means that we're endorsing a particular form of medicine. So we're going to condemn chiropractics and we're going to condemn homeopathy. We're going to now dictate to you every thought in your life. But you don't see that in Scripture. And some of you might think, oh, well, they don't try and do that. Well, yes, they do. I mean, you read different articles on, say, for example, public swimming and recreational activities, recognizing the increasing trend toward immodesty of dress in public places of recreation, such as beaches and swimming places. We remind our people of the traditional concept of modesty and urge that Christian judgment be exercised in the matter of swimming or sunbathing in public places. So what, does that mean you have to go down to the beach with a bolt of fabric wrapped around you or something? I don't know what it means. What I do know is that they are trying to infringe on individual Christian you know, liberty. They're trying to make the Bible say more than it says, and this kind of teaching completely distracts you from the grace of God in Christ, which has saved you from your sin, and completely gives you a, a sort of confused motivation for holiness. Now it's obey all of these rules, which we have identified and we have made clear, supposedly from the Bible and medical evidence. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. See, what you have happening here is suppressing one command, which is that you have liberty to enforce another. And the Bible does not condone that kind of biblical interpretation or shepherding. And that's what this is doing. It's binding people's consciences. And Jesus says plenty about that in the Gospels, that we are not authorized as church leaders to do that. You're saying, well, now, come on. My Nazarene church doesn't particularly say all of these things. My pastor doesn't do it. So you're saying you're taking some of the very minor distinctives of the Nazarene church and raising them up to a level that is not even practiced in the Nazarene church. Well, let me tell you something. I was looking at what the Nazarene church requires of someone to become a member in their church. They say this, We recognize the right and privilege of persons uh, to church membership, and that rests upon the fact of their being only being regenerate. In other words, we'll accept anyone who is regenerate, and will require only such avowals of belief as are essential to Christian experience. So here, number 26.6 on their list, that believers are to be sanctified wholly, subsequent to regeneration through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So to them, this is the essence of the faith. So if you don't believe in the doctrine of entire sanctification, that you can be perfectly made free from sin in this life, then you are not accepted as regenerate in the Nazarene church. And if you are a Nazarene, you are saying that you believe that. And if you don't believe that, you have got to get out of there. 
So keep in mind, if you are saying that you are going to stay in the Nazarene church in order to influence them, you have to submit to their elders. And their elders tell you, you are not only not to drink, you are to forbid others from drinking. So if you want to pick up a beer and drink it, you need to leave because otherwise you are in rebellion. And you had better believe in perfect sanctification in this life. That means when you go for confession of sin, you should have nothing to confess because you're already perfect. Look, no one's trying to say here that drunkenness isn't a sin. But what this is doing is saying that you can't even go hang out, hang out around an unbeliever and just get to know them while they're sitting there drinking their beer in the off chance that you might get to know them well enough to talk to them about the Lord. I mean, how is it that your profession of faith places you in such a position that you can't even any longer fulfill the command which you're given by God, which is be salt and light. See how the law of God is twisted? The law of God says, you shall not get drunk. No matter what, never. You should always be sober. And we affirm that. But see, the law of God is not good enough for these people. The law of God has to go further. The law of God has to say, well, you should never touch alcohol. Not only should you never touch it, but you should fight the social evil of it. And you should wear these kind of clothes. And you should never go to this kind of a movie. And you should always be watching out that, you know, you are truly holy. Like we are. And this is not acceptable. This is a sectarian belief, a sectarian movement that has rejected the historic biblical teaching of sanctification and gone off and started a denomination because of it. Okay, we're out of time today. Go to the website, sinnersaint.org, sinnersaint.org, and tune in next week. Join us next week as we tackle more topics with the truth of God's Word on Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. For more information, call 866-99-UNITED or log on to the web at urcsocal.org. That's 866-99-UNITED.